everyone. Before we get into the sermon today, I just want to tell you how encouraged I've been to listen to so many of your testimonies online. I am uh, so blessed by your faith, by the stories of God's saving grace. Uh, I really think that this is going to dramatically impact the world around us. And it's true that Jesus has changed our life and what a privilege it is, not just to experience it, but then to be able to share it with others. To begin this Easter sermon, I'd like to put it in the context of what we're all experiencing right now, and that's COVID-19. This virus has demanded the world's attention. It's not going to be silent. It's not going to be subtle. And it is sobering how one virus can control really the whole world. And people are uh, appropriately sobered by this reality. Uh, We are, everything that we're doing is changed because we're somehow living in response or reaction to this virus that has swept the world. So this Easter, what I'd like to do is highlight an even more deadly virus that we all need to pay uh, even more attention to than COVID-19. And it's the virus of sin. In the Chicago Tribune, Billy Graham was interviewed. And listen to what he says. This was a number of years ago, but listen to what he says. Sin is a spiritual virus that invades our whole being. It makes us morally and spiritually weak. It's a deadly disease that infects every part of us. Our body, our mind, our emotions, our relationships, our motives, absolutely everything. We don't have the strength on our own to overcome its power. Sobering indeed. Let me give some facts, I would say alarming facts, about this virus. Number one is that 100% of the world's population is infected by this virus. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single person in the world has been infected by this virus. What a sobering, sobering thought. There's been something that I I hear people talk about that uh, as they describe their relationship with God, and what I hear people say is that, uh, you know, thank you, God, that you saw me as being worthy of your love. Now, there's lots of truth to that idea that uh, somehow God does see us worthy of his love, but there's there's a more deeply biblical truth that is actually better news. And it's not so much that we're worthy, is that in the midst of us being unworthy, God comes and loves us. It's the idea of, of, of which is more impressive if, you, uh, if you're gonna go and find a, find a dog to love, which is kind of more impressive about who you are. Do you decide to go to the pound and, uh, and get a stray? Or do you find a purebred? Well, we're the stray, aren't we? And we have been loved and we are worthy of being loved. But something more profound than that is that God has looked at us even in our unworthiness and decided to love us. And this is actually a better foundation for our relationship with God than our worthiness. It makes his decision to love us not based on our merit or performance, but it's based purely on his kindness and generosity. 
So the first fact is that 100% of the world's population is infected by this virus of sin. Number two is without treatment, the mortality rate is 100%. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Everyone, which is everyone, who is infected by this disease, unless they are treated properly, will die. And so we look at the numbers of people dying from COVID-19, and it's just, uh, it's just staggering. It's overwhelming. And it, it, something happens inside of our hearts that we're just sobered by the power and reality of this virus. Well, there's another virus that has lasted much longer than COVID-19, and it kills everyone it gets in contact with, unless there's a very specific and dramatic intervention. Number three is that James 5.20 says that sin destroys not only our bodies, but our eternal souls. It's one thing to have someone physically die. That's already a tragedy uh, to die prematurely. But it's far more of a tragedy that our eternal souls would die, that they would cease to exist. That this virus is so strong, it actually stretches beyond uh, our, our practical, physical bodies into our spiritual souls and can even damage us at that level. Incredibly sobering. What's even more sobering, point number four, is that it's often, this virus is often undetected. What this virus does is manifest itself, the symptoms of it, often look like the opposite of what we would expect this virus to look like. This virus can look like pleasure. I'm just having a good time. I'm just enjoying myself. I, uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with seeking pleasure and having a good time. And anybody who would say otherwise is just a killjoy. Uh, sin can make us look tremendously confident, proud, kind of a sense of self-righteousness. It, it, it can look intimidating to other people. We can even feel jealous of people who live like that. Uh, sin can often present itself as being logical. I'm just doing what makes most sense for my own survival and well-being. How could you ever hold that against me? Sin can even look like goodness. And I've, I've actually heard this in a few of your testimonies that I think has been a very, very true thing to say. That uh, often we choose the path of goodness, not for the sake of love or the worship of God. It's just because it serves us better. We figured out that uh, life goes more smoothly and more in the direction that I want when I'm nicer to people. It has nothing to do with, with altruism. It just has to do with what we figured out serves us best. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says even this of Satan. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And so this virus has the ability to disguise itself as something noble, something that we would desire. We look at the, 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 the quote-unquote sermons preached in our society about uh, being your own person, and doing what you believe is best for yourself. And uh, 
there's just a, there's almost a nobility about it that goes, wow, yeah, that really makes a lot of sense. Maybe I should be thinking like that. But here's the challenge. The most dangerous people uh, who are infected with the virus are those who are unaware. We think of the pandemic that we're now in, and I feel this in my heart. I don't know if you feel it in yours, but if I do need to go to the grocery store or whatever I need to do, I become paranoid, and, and the news has actually told me to do this, that I become paranoid of everybody around me because uh, we don't know who's infected with this virus or not. And so we might get in touch with somebody who's infected and they don't even know that they are. And they are the most dangerous people out there because those who have the more obvious symptoms, uh, if they have any sense of dignity, have quarantined themselves. But there's a whole other group of people who aren't at that level and so in their naivety are actually more dangerous. I think of uh, the friends that I have who, uh, who don't know Jesus but are just wonderful people. And you can see in them the struggle to somehow connect this virus of sin to their own personal reality. They go, well, I know I do bad things now and then, but I mean, wow. I certainly don't need Jesus to die for me. That's ridiculous. And if God thinks that that's true, then that's just an overreaction on his part. And so they're walking as an angel of light, being good people, thoroughly unaware of the level of disease that is within their own body and soul. Point number five, there is only one distinguishing symptom. There's only one way that you and I can know that this virus is alive inside of us. And it's this that sin always separates. It always alienates. This is Isaiah 59.2. Your evil has separated you. So the sign that, um, that you and I are infected with this virus is that we have distant relationships. Relationships where we do not feel well attached. Now, for some people, they go, oh, well, then that's fine. Uh, I've worked really hard at having a good relationship with my spouse and with my children. Uh, if you're single, you say, I have, a, I have a, a good friend group. So I guess I'm immune. I guess I'm doing just fine. But there's one relationship that uh, is the greatest sign that we have this infection, and it's our relationship with God. And so if you feel far from him, then that's a sign that you've been infected with sin. The reason why you feel distant from him has nothing to do with uh, your circumstances or what God has done or has not done. It's because you, as well as me, whenever I feel distant, it's because there's something inside of me that isn't right and that's alienating me. And what's helpful to do is to work backwards from that primary connection. The most important person that we can be connected to is God. And when we're disconnected from him, we are actually disconnected from those that we say that we love. 
Uh, we feel connected. We feel like we're doing our best. But if we understand who God is and has, have his love fill our hearts, then we realize just how alienated we really are from the world around us. Sure, we might be trying our best, but uh, unless we have a taste of what real love is, then we can't measure just how meaningful and rich and right our human relationships are. And so we need to be honest and say that uh, the sin in my heart that has separated me from God is also separating me from others and is damaging those relationships even though uh, I feel as though I can't see it. It goes undetected. Number six, the shame of sin leads people into denial and blame. This is the first condition of sin that we read about in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. This is what Adam says about Eve, who, uh, who, who gave him the fruit. I mean, he was standing there seeing the whole thing. But anyways, this is what he says. You gave this woman to me, and she gave me the fruit. Uh, the, the first sign that we see of somebody being alienated from God and under the condemnation of sin is blame and denial. It's not me. I didn't do it. It's, it's someone else's fault. Uh, what's ironic is that this is actually a sign of being infected with the virus. If we're denying that we have it, if we blame other people for the problems in our world or what we personally experience, that's actually a sign that we're under the curse of this disease. And finally, isolation stops the spread of the infection. We've figured out that physical distancing is the right thing to do in a time of experiencing a pandemic. Well, God knew this well before there was any virus, um, physical virus that came into the world. That the only way to stop an infection from spreading is isolation. Listen to how heaven is described. The kingdom of God is described in Revelation 21. It says that heaven has no more death, sadness, crying, or pain because all the old, uh, understand this to be sinful ways, are gone. So what makes heaven so amazing is that it has been closed off from the virus of sin. There's no sin can enter the kingdom of God. So this is, uh, this is what makes it such a beautiful reality that we all uh, are tasting now and will experience more as we grow in our relationship with God. So the reason why then that the kingdom of God is so pure and holy and rich is because those who have not uh, found the cure in Jesus have been quarantined off to a place that is described as hell. In 2 Thessalonians 1.9, it says the penalty for sin is eternal destruction. This is the ultimate isolation. That as we insist on, on not finding a cure in Christ, we must be quarantined. We must, uh, uh, God in his infinite love must separate out those who refuse to be healed so that their infection does not cause this disease to spread for eternity. 
He has to do this or he would be unkind. So what is Easter's cure for this fatal disease? We need a blood transfusion from the only one who is immune. We need a blood transfusion from the only one who is immune. I just saw on the news uh, a few days ago that there's, uh, there was a survivor of, uh, of, of COVID and what they did is they, they took some of her blood and what they're hoping they'd be able to do, they've had success in, uh, in other cases, but they're hoping that for COVID that we, they can actually inject this uh, blood that has an, a, an immunity to COVID into other people so that they could also then not get the disease. Well, this becomes a kind of symbol of what Jesus has done for us. In Hebrews 4.16, it says that Jesus was without sin. Jesus never contracted the virus. He came to earth, was a man, but what distinguishes him from all other humanity is he was without sin. And then in Hebrews 9.21, it says, without the shedding of blood, without the shedding of this sinless blood, there is no forgiveness. So here's how it comes together in 1 John 1.7. It says that his blood cleanses us from all sin. His sinless blood cleanses our life, blood, our life, from all the effects of sin. This is incredible. What Jesus does for us is not just mask some symptoms, uh, help us look on the, on the bright side, help us survive difficult moments. He actually gets to the root of the problem inside of us and inside of our, uh, our world and give us an antidote that cures us, not just for our, our time here on earth now, but for eternity. That the thing that has separated us from God and that will separate us from one another forever, Jesus has actually provided the antidote for that and has enabled us to live forever disease-free. This is just an incredible gift from God. What is the key then to receiving this antidote, this transfusion of Christ's blood that cleanses us from our sin disease? And it's staying connected to him. Now, follow me on this because this is very, very important. The cure that we find is our relationship with Jesus. The, um, uh, the, um, the, the transfusion analogy breaks down in this regard where you kind of get one injection of this uh, of immunity and then you'll be fine afterwards. That's not true in what Jesus does for us. In John chapter 15, he is described as the vine and we're the branches. And so we have this life of Jesus flowing into us for as long as we long to be connected to the vine. It is our relationship with life, our relationship with Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. It's an ongoing relationship, always true, and it's his lifeblood that saves us. So as we decide to stay connected to him, we then receive life. 
And if there's some point that we say, I don't need this, uh, thank you, but I'm pretty sure that I'm immune now and we unplug ourselves from Jesus, then we're as cursed as anyone else. The only thing that has given us life is being connected to the source of life, Jesus Christ himself. In conclusion, uh, the Canadian government now has a quarantine act. And I was uh, reading yesterday what happens if you travel, if you've come from outside of Canada, you come into Canada, what there's, there's legal penalties now. Uh, if you don't quarantine yourself Im- immediately when entering the country, that you will get up to a $750,000 fine as well as potentially six months in prison. I mean, that's severe. And if someone dies because they contracted the virus from you, then it goes up to a million dollar fine and, uh, and maybe not and, but also both three years in prison. The government is taking this super seriously. That if you come from another country and you don't have enough wits about yourself, to quarantine yourself for 14 days, then there's going to be very strict and severe penalties. This is how seriously they're taking this virus. I pray then that we would take this deadlier virus even more seriously. A few years ago, uh, a number of our children uh, come from a Honduran descent, and so we kind of have an affection to Honduras, and we, we think about what goes on there, and uh, people that we know visit there quite frequently. And something interesting happened a few years ago. The Honduran president uh, made a request essentially to the world, would you come and bring the gospel into my country? If Jesus Christ does not become the Lord of Honduras, we are destined to failure and I am not a good president. I am requesting that, that, uh, that we address a virus that has been in our country and is killing all of our residents, that we need Christ to be proclaimed, to give people an opportunity to receive the life that is only found in him. And so many churches responded to this and organizations. There was huge uh, evangelistic crusades. God bless a leader for taking the the virus sin as seriously as all the countries now are taking COVID-19. That is a, a wise leader who understands that there's something more deadly that doesn't just kill our body, but kills our soul. And if we don't take this seriously, we are cruel and unkind to those around us. So I urge you on this Easter Sunday, to take the cure, to take the vaccine for your benefit and for the benefit of everyone around you. Um, In a few weeks, we're going to be starting our transformations course again. And this is a six-week course. We still, uh, we we prayed and we really believe that we're still supposed to do this course, uh, even though it'll be online. We want to still do it because we want you to have an opportunity to have this message of salvation unpacked for you. And so I really encourage you, whether you are 
still searching and, and not quite sure whether you want to you wanna take this vaccine that Jesus offers or whether you've received new life in Jesus and you want to know exactly uh, what that means and how to live that out. Both of you, please, I encourage you to uh, sign up for this course and we'd love to explore with you just how profound God's love and leadership really is. But today, I'm asking, will you admit that you're a carrier of the most deadly disease that has ever been on the face of the planet? Will you admit that today? And will you receive in humility and gratitude the antidote that is offered you in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will cleanse you from sin and its effects for now and for eternity? And you will now move from being infected with a deadly virus to being, if we can use the word infected, with uh, an immune system that allows you to become the carrier of good news that can transform everyone around you. Would you, would you receive that life that would spill out of you to even become life for those that you love and care about? This is what Jesus offers us today, but it all hinges on our ability to admit that we, that we are infected and that the only way to be cured is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Father, uh, we see now for many of us, uh, for the first time in our life that there's ever been a virus like this uh, in the world. And we see the effects of what a virus can do at so many levels. And this awakens us to recognize a more deadly and sinister virus. And I pray that you would give us the humility now to admit that we've been infected and to even admit that we're unworthy to receive an antidote, which makes your love your death, your resurrection, all the more beautiful. Because you have come to earth, you have met us in our darkness, and you've given us new life. And so we receive this morning the resurrected life that is purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we say that we are hungry for this antidote. And it is our privilege not simply to think that we can take it and run, but that we get to stay connected with you forever and have your lifeblood flowing through us for eternity. There is no greater privilege or joy. And we choose to receive that now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.